Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You dropped in at the spot, the location, the place. Well, the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. And guess where we're going? Uh-huh. Back to Australia, Brains. Let me get that in the fray. Australia. We're going to visit with Philippa Cox. She likes to be called Pippa. That's a cute name. Um, she is, I call her one of Earth's angels. She helps families, not only the birthing mother, but maybe the siblings and the the parent, maybe the grandparent, help coach the family through the birthing process. To deliver life into this world is a process. There are so many things that could go awry. But at the end, you've got this big, fat, juicy bundle of joy. And I want to ask Pippa, how many families and how many children has she helped birth? Because it's really, really a big responsibility. And what she's imprinting into the families about the process. that they Philin, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you uh, so much. Thank you. Tell my brains uh, how you show up in the world. How do I show up in the, in the world, April? I show up as a shiny ray of light. Mmm. That is it in a nutshell. I've got a smile on my face all the time. Used to get me into trouble when I was in my early 20s. People used to think, oh, because you smile at a man and they think, oh, she really likes me. No, I'm just being friendly. Well, because so many people walk around with a scowl on their face, they don't know how to appreciate when someone is genuinely happy and wants to share that. So I'm glad you do that. How did you find so in this space of being, of all things, a birthing coach? Well, beautiful question. Thank you for asking that. So it started about 25 years ago. I'm not going to go through the whole history. But 25 years ago, I was traveling through Africa, of mm. all places. I was traveling by myself, and oh, my gosh, it changed my life. So Pippa. How did you find yourself in this space helping families uh, and women give birth, of all things? Oh, it's a beautiful story, actually. Thank you for asking. It started with me becoming a midwife Mm. over 20 years ago when I traveled, after I traveled through Africa, and that African trip changed my life, April. It was incredible. I found that there was lots of people there that needed help. It really inspired this this need for service, this need for being a humanitarian within me. And it drove my life through going back to Australia and becoming a nurse and then becoming a midwife and basically travelling all over the world as a midwife and returning eventually back to Africa where I worked for Medicine Sans Frontieres, Doctors Without Borders. And tell, tell, in, tell my audience, what is midwifery? What is midwifery? Midwifery is actually being with women 
through their pregnancy, through their childbirth process, and in the first few months after the baby is born. It is being with them, supporting them, giving them all the information, all the support that they need. And so they can go through pregnancy feeling supported, feeling healthy, feeling absolutely prepared to have a really lovely birth and bring a baby into a world into the world and breastfeed and grow up a beautiful, lovely baby is preparing now, them for motherhood. What is the difference between a midwife and a birthing coach? Beautiful question, brains, beautiful. So a midwife is also dealing with a clinical situation. So it's looking after a woman clinically as well as psychologically and socially. However, being a midwife for 20 years and returning back to Australia, I noticed midwives, we don't have enough time for the psychosocial aspects of care. Mm. We don't because it's, we've got a lot of women on our books and we can't give the appropriate time. Now, what's happened since I returned back is that I noticed there's a lot more birth trauma. There's a lot more depression, anxiety. All of those factors in the last 20 years have grown and increased and it's impacting women. It's impacting their births. It's impacting their pregnancies. It's impacting the level of complications that they're experiencing and it's impacting their entry into motherhood so I thought there must be a better way to do this so that's when I decided to concentrate on a, being a birth coach and a wow. pregnancy coach and then that way you don't just support the mother you support the mother and the father and the siblings because it is a package deal and there are situations totally. where there are a lot of single mothers so Pippa tell me a little bit more in detail about the program and exactly what it is that you do with your mothers in your program and your coaching? Yeah, thanks for that question, April. So it's called the Radiant, the Pathway to Radiant Motherhood. And that's truly what it is. So it's all about health, nutrition, exercise, mindset, preparing for a beautiful birth that you can be acceptance with, that you can accept it. No matter what happens in your birth, you can accept it. So one pattern that I've read, that I've rec recognized is that if a woman has a beautiful mindset and is healthy, she's going to have less complications in her pregnancy and less birth complications as well. And But sometimes things just go off track, don't, don't they? So if a woman is accepting of herself and in control of herself, she's able to handle that beautifully. Now, what is happening after a birth is that we go through a big hormonal shift. Like, do you remember when you had your baby, your brain, your thinking changes right after your baby's born? You have become a mother. You are no longer the person you were, you were prior to your baby. And this goes on from your second, third, fourth, all the way up to your 26th ba baby. It's a change of identity. Now what's happening in our world now, because women are having babies so much older, we've already got our identity established. It's not like we're having babies like we did back in the past between 18 and 25. We're having babies in our 30s and into our 40s. So we've already got that, that our identity. 
And with the massive change of hormones, with the stress of modern life, with changes in our society, because no longer do we have that village mentality, our Western lifestyle is very much an independent lifestyle. We don't have that support around. So there's a lot of postnatal depression now. And particularly with birthing, if we have a very traumatic birth, I mean, there's one in five women at least now that has, has got PTSD from their birthing process. This is something that I'm really tar targeting to prevent. And I really help them through that whole process. So it's not just during pregnancy, it's in motherhood as well. And so they're able to... And with their fat, with their husbands as well, because mm -hmm. husbands they quite often don't know what to do. But not so just, it's a complete not package. Just the mother, not just the mother and the father, but also the siblings. We have to, yes, we have to take yes, particularly the siblings. Do you know some families don't want another baby? <laughs> like after 26, 27? really, mom? <laughs> yeah. So it's helping the family with their existing children, but also bringing in this other baby. I think that that's fascinating. Precisely. Yeah. Particularly if you've got a young kid and, and like your two-year-old child, they don't have that, that awareness yet. They don't have that ability to be rational yet. They're just there and then all of a sudden they, they're not the um, focus of their mum's eyes anymore. That's a massive adjustment. It is. And, and so it could actually. If you have a yeah. child with special needs, you know, I've had a couple of women wow. have been on my show that the, the existing child, the oldest child, feels that the mother is giving so much more attention to this little one, you know, being an infant or being a child with special needs that they feel neglected. And that's hard yes. to, to balance that. You know, and again, like you said, you got the raging hormones that are going there until you get that in sync because it has a lot of control on your brains, whether you know it or not. So thank you. That's a, That's a great definition. Yeah. And there's also this, this Instagram social media belief that we've got to bounce back to normal as soon as possible. It's like we have to honor ourselves. We just produced a human life. We have to honor ourselves and heal and collect our energy. Because when yeah. our baby's born, there's this massive emptiness within our body. Our energy's just spread out. We need to bring it back. Well, you know, sometimes these, some of these individuals, I'll say celebrities because that's the experience that I've had, they, you know, act like it is a game. They go in, they're having C-sections because they want to get their bodies back in shape. They want to be able to know exactly when they're going to have the baby. That's a lot of trauma too. And it's unnatural. What you say also, what you think uh, while your child is in utero. You know, oh, massively. I used to play jazz for my daughter. She loves it to this day. I had a craving for food. Yep. She loves it to this day. I've had a friend that played classical yep. music. Her child is now playing classical piano. So you can really really and they yep. know your voice their father's voice yep. their grandma they know your touch all of, the only thing is different is they're in a sack and there's a piece of skin your meat suit on top of it but every fiber of your being goes to create that human being 
Totally. I'm so glad you brought that up, Brains. That is massive. And now we've known it instinctually. We've known it instinctually through history, through thousands and thousands of years. It's documented throughout in ancient texts. And now, guess what? Science is catching up. <laughs> Don't you love that? With all the epigenetic changes, not only in utero, as you said, they can hear, they can feel, they can do everything, but also um, at the point of conception, mm. which is interesting, and prior to conception as well. Really? Yeah, I guess it's what you bring to the table. <laughs> yes, it is. And I always love that secret sauce. Absolutely. Well, that's fascinating. Thanks, Pips. Um, how do you support them? as a coach because it that's difficult you know that's really difficult it's to have to huge. it is huge it is huge and particularly in this day and age where the family unit has dissipated so they might not have their mother or their father or their sisters or their aunties around them mm -hmm. and it's all about them becoming empowered within themselves so it's actually and helping them to really dig deep within themselves and discovering that they actually have power. They actually have a lot of strength. And so well, no matter what life hits them, they can actually cope with it and excel. But you've worked with indigenous tribal people and those women are tough. I mean, you know, they have babies. A lot of women do it naturally. I was a, a wuss. I had to have the, uh, I didn't have an epidural. I had a little Demerol. I need that edge off me, girl. Them couple of them shooting pains. And I just, yeah, I got, but you're dealing with, or you've dealt with women that have had babies in the bush with, had complications with pregnancy. Maybe they have um, some tribal or cultural differences that we have that you have to honor and you have to respect during the birthing process. Maybe they're malnourished. Maybe they've gotten sick but they still forge ahead. You worked with Doctors Beyond Borders? And doctors, doctors Without Borders, yeah. Doctors Without Borders. Tell us a little bit about that experience and how you helped those women in those trying situations. Yeah, that was huge. And it really made me think of how strong women are and how they actually cope with things. Like for instance, um, in the Western world, twins are high risk, twins are, and right, rightly so, they are a high risk pregnancy. And I remember once there was a woman that came to our unit and she had a baby in her arms and she was still big. It's like, hang on, what's this all about? This was in Yemen, in a beautiful country called Yemen that is unfortunately so um, encumbered with war at the moment that my heart bleeds. But this woman had her first baby at home and second baby was still inside and still oh. alive. Oh, wow. So you've got twins that were born on separate days. They've got different birthdays. How's that? And she hung in there. And they were both fun. They both came out pink and screaming. Yep, she hung in there. Wow. And there was another beautiful baby that was born at about 26, 27 weeks. 
and in the Western world, it would be go into the NICU in a under lights with the drips and with the breathing apparatus. Mm -hmm. This woman, it was her first baby, she put her baby at kangaroo care between her breasts and diligently fed her little snippets, little drops of colostrum. And the baby survived. The baby was as big as my palm, the palm of your hand. And her baby survived. And she brought the baby back six months later for, for the baby's immunizations at the hospital and brought her into the maternity unit. And she was the most beautiful, bouncing, gorgeous, healthy baby. Wow. So you've been able to take that, understand the cultural nuances uh, and what it really takes for a woman to give this thing called life and birth. It it can be so traumatic on just the mother, not the baby. Here in America, the African-American mortality rate for uh, infant mortality rate and the mother is going through the roof. And I just don't understand. Here we are in the 21st century, state-of-the-art technology, medications, resources, and we're having a rise in infant mortality. Are you seeing that there in Australia or are you seeing that among the indigenous people there of Australia? What's, what's your, your lens on that? Yeah, and it's something that should not be happening in the Western world. It should not be happening. And yeah, in our, our indigenous folk, yes, they have a much higher rate of complications and premature births than white Australia, which is tragic. And we've been trying to um, alleviate that problem for years and it's not happening. And there's many reasons that I can go on for hours why it's not happening, but it's just not happening. Well, if you, you know, if you had to put an underline, would it be because of prenatal care possibly whatever that incumbents or are you finding that it is uh, genetic? Uh, is it something that is? Yeah. You want to know what my take on it is because the prenatal care is actually really good. Even out in the middle of nowhere in the bush, it's still pretty good. My take of it is generational trauma. Mm. That is my take, not only within themselves, but also passed on through generations and generations of trauma of their land being invaded and them being cast away. They were cast away. I mean, they were cast as animals, animals, brains, animals until 1969. I didn't tell you my traumatic experience. So I'm on my way to Australia uh, and I'm flying over Tasmania. I literally had an anxiety meltdown like no other. I don't know what happened. It felt like I could take on these people's spirits and I could feel their pain, their anxiety, like they were crying out to me. And I was like, where is this coming from? I was traumatized. And I just didn't understand what was going on. I said, I'm going on vacation. Why am I having this empathic moment? And I got there and, you know, I got to talking to some people and kind of got my head around it, but I was scared to fly back. So there's a lot of energy mm. there. There's a lot of energy lot. there on both sides, you know. There's a lot. 
and Indigenous people, I love them to bits. I've spent a lot of my time in, in Australia caring for them in various settings. And they are incredibly spiritual. They oneness with the land. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, it's exactly. Incredible. That makes, so the that, trauma. That makes it, but that makes it tough for you too, because as a white woman, there has to be a level of trust. And so when they yes. when they welcome you in to trust, you know, I mean, this is their lineage. This is their life. They are, from what I've read, some of the first people on the actual planet. And they want to keep that. It's like the Native Americans here in the United States. They want to keep that yeah. lineage. But, you know, the kids aren't following tradition. and It's just a lot. So let's fast forward to the coaching. How do you uh, help the family, you know, to, to get through this exciting process of welcoming another family member? Yeah, well, through my years of midwifery, I've discovered patterns. Life is full of patterns. It's incredible. And with and through the coaching, I was able to really narrow down exactly what it takes to have a healthy pregnancy a really good birth and transition into motherhood. And it's all about health, nutrition, exercise. Mindset is huge, not only for the mother, but for the whole family. And dads, they have such a huge impact on it. And so when a woman is able to be healthy through her pregnancy, adjust that fear, let go of that fear of childbirth, like as you said, brains, um, so many women are fearful of the pain and they want the they want the epidural, they want the pain relief. And I want to let you know on a secret. Would you like to know a secret, friends? Yes, let us know. My secret is that childbirth does not have to be painful. Where were you 36 years ago? It wasn't it wasn't painful because I had that mindset that I was doing God's work. I was delivering. I was the, the portal. I was the yeah. conduit that this individual had to come through. And I've always kept that at the forefront of my mind to know that I was merely the vehicle. I have a responsibility to nurture, to feed, to love and support. But ultimately, this person is going to be on their own journey. And what exactly. I need to do is also have a sense of balance uh, in my own life and appreciate who I am. Tell you a quick story, changing the subject a bit. I had one of my guests on my show uh, and she had had nine miscarriages. Nine. Miscarriage number five, she goes home. She's wondering why her significant other was not there to pick her up from the hospital. She gets there. She calls the job that she thought he worked at. He hadn't been there for 30 days. Now, I, far be it for me to judge, but I was curious. Why are you still with this joker? You know, clearly he's not there to support you in your time of need. Anyway, after she's had miscarriage number nine, she wanted to become a wet nurse and go in and help with the other ones but what she came to realize and what I came to realize is that she was so vulnerable mentally there 
you know, other things could have arrived. Your hormones are different. You have this yearning and this compassion to nurture and want this child so badly. How do you work with women that have experienced that type of trauma? Support, love. Women need to be heard. People need to be heard. And you really talk about how you can get through it. All that reasoning, all that science behind exactly what is going through your mind and why. And I found if people understand the why, it make and normalize it, they can get through it. Again, it's about empowerment. Right. But the why, people will say, I'm not good enough. Why me? Why can't I carry a baby to term? What is wrong with me? So the why sometimes is very complicated because it's far beyond how we feel emotionally. It could be something It could be something spiritually. It could be something metaphysically. So the yep. why is very hard to uncover, excuse me, for some individuals to help them forge ahead. So and also brains, and also brains, um, a lot of people won't be able to accept it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right. what is wrong with me? Why can't I carry a baby? What is wrong with me? And it's not what is wrong with me. It is it just what is. So it's accepting what you can control, what you can't control, I should say, and doing something of what you can control. Mm. So it's delving deep into that and it goes layer upon layer upon layer with that and it's the acceptance of that. And there's so many different reasons why women can't carry a baby. It might be hormonal, it might be spiritual, it might be metaphysical, it might be, there are so many different reasons. And one of the reasons it's really coming out now with lots of research is, is an imbalance of hormones. Particularly in our modern age, our modern age is, it's, it's really affecting our health on yeah. so many different levels. So it's about, in the end, acceptance and delving deep. Yeah, really and, and giving the support to the entire family. Because yeah, because people need to be heard. They do. They do. Yeah. And when you say need to be heard, it's the conversation that, again, we're having in our own head, but the outside influence. You know, you've got the, the people that as soon as you get married, what are you having a baby? Or the mother that is, when are you having a baby? Or the mother-in-law, oh, I can't wait for you to have a baby and have a grandchild. It's a lot of pressure. Yes, it is. And particularly if you have repeated miscarriages like that, it's not only, oh my gosh, I, you could feel like you're failing in inverted commas, which is just really, really sad to think that way. 
and it's wrong it's totally wrong because your body can't value it's your body and it's also the outside influences as as you said and the partner or the husband i've noticed can be predominant factor in all of this as well mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely what do you think of this hypnobirthing that's really popular now and underwater birthing there's a lot of that going on have you supported in either one of those types of uh, birthing modalities absolutely in my last position as a midwife a third of my um births are underwater it is magical absolutely magical water is incredible it supports a woman in when, when they're laboring it releases endorphins your natural pain reliever and there is something exquisite where a woman is in total control of the birthing process when it's underwater i don't even i go nowhere near it nowhere near nowhere near them either they pick their baby up or the partner picks their baby up it's incredible wow. and you want to know something really cool right yes babies do not cry they breathe they are pink they are vigorous and they breathe it's the most beautiful transition into life for a baby because when you think about it yes a mother can go through a very hard time birthing a baby but have do we ever give thought of what the baby goes through Absolutely. Our, our birth is meant to be the most difficult thing in our life it's traumatizing to come through yep. a portal of blood and slime in between urination and defecation it's not a pretty picture <laughs> it's not a pretty picture and not only that getting your head squeezed and getting your head squeezed and then getting your bottom smacked or your foot thumped as soon as you arrive it's like your nose somebody sticking something up your nose and snotting it it's not good but someone's throwing you a party and they're going to love you and they're going to kiss you and you're going to lay next to your mother and uh, she's going to nurse you. You help mothers with the breath breastfeeding process. I didn't breastfeed, yeah. you know, and I don't feel guilty about it. It just did. She didn't latch on. It didn't happen. She's fine. But the pressure for mothers to breastfeed, <laughs> I think sometimes yeah. it's unfair. And I think it, you know, people try to put a level of guilt I, what's your position on that I mean that supporting the mother is supporting the mother however she feels yeah we know that breast milk is the best but some parents exactly some women or some women don't produce enough and then that's another guilt trip yeah. I'm starving my baby yeah. because you know yeah i've just got two things to say brains can i fully agree with what you're saying and there's a lot of pressure out there particularly from midwives and i've never been one of those midwives to pressure yes i believe breast is best of course it is we've got boobs to feed but as you so well said not everybody can do that and it's it's guilt free it's just part of life but my take on it is that breast is best, but a well-fed baby is prime. You know, immunity. That's is it in a nutshell. And when you look at it back last century, we had wet nurses. Yeah. We don't have that luxury anymore. Yeah. Wet, yeah, wet nurses, black women in America. 
Oh. Yeah. I mean, I'm not knocking it. It's history and it's the truth. But uh, my, I, I was kind of on the fence about that as well because I had a family member that would take her daughter to someone else to breast, uh, you know, to, to feed from the breast. I don't know how I felt because I'm thinking and I know that their DNA is changing. I'm not saying it's bad, but it, it's changing. It is a bonding between the baby and the mother. If she's just pumping, that's one thing. But when you're cuddling and you're nurturing and you're feeling that heartbeat and the breath and the smell, you know, does it have any impact? What's been your experience with that? It's interesting you say that in Indigenous culture in Australia, if a baby is breastfed by another woman, and this is with other Indigenous um, uh, cultures across the world, is that that person that they breastfed from is also called mother. Mm -hmm. And a village is raised by a bunch of mothers. A baby is raised by a bunch of mothers in a village. And that's historically the way that it's been through, through, throughout the world. You know, there's that saying for a reason, it takes the village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. It's not just looking after a child, it's supporting a child, it's being over the child, it's being in a tribe. That's, what's, that's what it's all about. We're, we're humans, we're collective people, we're social people. So how long are you... Um in contact with the mother from, you know, from like first trimester, second trimester, first couple years, as long as they're needed. What is your coaching, you know, timeline that you support the Coaching mother? timeline is for as long as I want. I've got a beautiful program called um, Pathway to Radiant Motherhood, where they can pick up that program anytime through their pregnancy. And there's five pillars that I coach on, mindset, and releasing fear, releasing all that stuff that's in our unconscious brain. I mean, do you remember how did you ever um, say to your kids something and then you go, oh, my gosh, I just sound like my mother. Yeah. Did you ever happen that way? Yeah. Releasing all of that. Mm -hmm. And so we come to our true authentic self and really can identify and empower ourselves as humans and as mothers. So the coaching is massive. It's not just coaching as in to breathe and this is what you do and meditation, though it's really important. It's really about becoming us and really becoming self-aware and unwriting all those unconscious scripts into our true authenticity. So that's one of them. That's huge. It's all about health, nutrition, exercise, birth preparation. Like I said before, birth does not have to be painful. It's all about the mindset and releasing that fear that fear of childbirth that we have from, from our media, from movies. And you know, those American movies brains. Oh, wow. Oh God. They're great. Well, what got on. What is break screams? What got around me was I said, if my grandmother could do it nine times, I could do it once. But once was enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh -huh. Do you want to know the greatest amount of, do you want to know the greatest amount of kids I've ever seen a woman have? How many? Would you like to know that? Yes. Okay. You you ready for it? Drum roll. Da 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 da. Twenty six. One woman had twenty six kids. 
Yes. Wow. She was a super mum. She was amazing. And at the time that I was working, she was my age. She had never had a period in her life, brains. Never. She was either pregnant or breastfeeding or both. And she breastfed the children? Yep, all of them. Wow. And it was in a country where the high, you know, with, that was that isn't as fortunate as America or Australia or Europe. And um, the really incredible thing was, and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about this, all her children were alive. There were two cricket teams together. That's amazing. I know. Amazing. And I don't know. I don't even know where she put them. Did she keep them in drawers or what? Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, it, was she able to talk and breathe? And <laughs> I don't know how she could do all that. That lets you know the resilience of a woman's body that she could produce. Absolutely. Twenty-eight children, and they—I mean, twenty-six children—and they survived, and she survived. In yep, you know, not the most conducive sets of situations or accommodations. So again, it's about mindset. I know my daughter uh, was having a little a hernia surgery, and the doctor asked, "Could he hypnotize her before?" And I was like, mm, "I don't know," but there was an aura around and an energy around this doctor that was unbelievable and so what he would do is he would travel to third world countries and they didn't have anesthesia or they did not have the accommodations again that we have in western america and he would hypnotize the children before he did surgery on them so that mm -hmm. yeah and he worked also too uh with doctors without borders and he was an amazing physician here. He ended up being head of a chief of staff of pediatrics here. But it's all about the mind. It's all about the breath. Do you coach your clients in breath work as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Breath is a giver of life. We can control our brain, our mind, our thoughts, our perceptions, our behaviors through our breath totally and with meditation and the thing is and this is one of the mistakes that women make brains is that they pick up a, a birth preparation course in their last month of pregnancy or even in their last trimester of pregnancy if you really want to have a beautiful birth that sets you up for amazing motherhood you have to start ideally well before you're pregnant but in your first trimester Right. Because it takes months for all these processes to go embedded into your mind. So when you're in the birthing situation, it's automatic. You don't have to think about breathing. You've got it. It's there. Mm. That Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. So tell my brains some fun things about you. How about that? Let's change the subject. I want to oh. personally because you've got such a glowing smile and animated personality. I can bet that you just make everybody feel real good. So if you were an appliance in the kitchen, Pippa, of all places, what appliance would you be and why? Oh, that's a good question, Brains. Um, 
Okay. You, oh, you want to know what I'd be? Yes. I'd, I'd be an oven. Really? Yeah. Why would you be in it? Because I'm hot, baby. I'm hot. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's some of that baking thing, you know? Watching yeah, it come but not it only. Come out. That's good. That's good. Exactly. And whatever comes out is so scrummy yummy. Absolutely. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? Oh, that's an easy one. I'd be a Toyota Hilux. Oh, okay. That's a lot of fun. Because Oh, it's a lot of fun. And the reason why I'd be a Toyota Hilux is because they're tough, they're reliable, they go anywhere, mm. and they carry a lot. All right. All right. What would you and say I used to have one. What would you say to a young teenage mother that has gotten herself in a situation, maybe she's 16, 17, 18 years old, um, she doesn't have the support of her family, and the father is not readily available. What would you say to her to keep her encouraged? Let her know that she's loved. Because, you know, it's great to talk about mindset, but she hasn't had enough life experience to set her mind on anything. She hasn't had a lot of experience to be able to financially support this child necessarily. She doesn't have enough education to find the right resources. So how could you support and help that young woman, Pippa? Oh, I just want to give her a big fat hug and just let her know you've got this. You so have this. It is tough. It is going to be tough. But guess what? You have the resources within you. You have what it takes within you, girl. You do. And line her up with people who can support her line her up you know help her with the community get really dig into that beautiful resource that she has and that's, that she's got this well, that's, and guess what she's going to grow up with a child they're going to grow up together is there a lot of adoption and foster care there um in Australia. no there's not a lot of adoption there's not a lot of adoption there's a lot of foster care though wow. particularly with indigenous kids particularly with indigenous kids they want to the prime objective with fostering indigenous kids is to is to foster them out within the community within the indigenous community but but often they can't really do that as well mm. that's tough that's tough yeah back to the fun questions What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Oh, it has to be chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolate. It's all warm and gooey, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Um, do you have children? <laughs> it wasn't part of God's plan, brains. Okay. Well, that's you, why I love what I'm doing. That's what I'm saying. Well, maybe you didn't give physical birth but you have been the mother and the facilitator to many how many births do you think that you supported okay that's a really cool question and when I started on my coaching journey I actually went through and I made a very conservative estimate of how many births I've actually helped and it's in the thousands I've actually physically helped women over 3,000 women 
helped birth their babies and I've witnessed maybe four or five times that, tens of thousands. That's why I've seen the patterns. Yeah. I know what works. Yeah. Have you written a book or a course or what, what type of tools, walkway tools do you provide your clients when they work with you? Oh, it's all about with the health for starters. It's all about the nutrition. So I can really delve deep into nutrition and what people need in this day and age for proper nutrition. Now, the interesting thing is, is that people think, and this is what, the, this is the feedback that I've had, is that people think it costs a lot of money to eat well. It doesn't. It actually takes less money to eat well because yeah. you're relying on whole foods, on natural foods, on fruit and vegetables. You don't have to eat meat all the time if you don't want to. You can just eat high-protein foods and high food and foods high in iron. Yeah. So I delve a lot into that and I give them a lot of support about that and exercise, different types of exercise, what kind of exercise suits you. Because what type of exercise suits your brains might not suit someone else. So it's highly individualised. Right. And I do a lot of moving meditation as well, which is great for the body. My moving meditation actually has cured my arthritis in my hands. Really? How's that? It's right. opened my hips up like yoga. 20 years of yoga could never do. Really? Yeah. So this is something that I really promote to my pregnant girls. Have you uh, done a YouTube video or how can people get access to that? Oh, that is in the making. I've actually got a YouTube channel at the moment, Philippa Cox Coaching and Consulting, and I'm going to continue and I'm going to start doing YouTube videos of my moving meditation because it's something that really needs to be out there. Well, Philippa, you have been a wealth of information. I thank you so much for your kindness and for your dedication. There are a lot of women and men that struggle with the birthing process, not knowing what to do, not feeling that they're enough, not supported financially uh, or spiritually, but they have a great person in you, a coach that is going to hold space with them and walk through every phase of this thing and then be there to support them after the fact. So we thank you so much. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to work with you. Brains, yes, she's in Australia, but we're doing this and I'm in San Diego. She's only a point and a click away. And that could be the difference in your life. Like it was a difference in hers. How do they get in contact with you, Pippa? Yeah, thanks. I've got a website, Philippa Cox Coaching or Philippa Cox Pregnancy Coach, I should say. That's my website and my socials. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Pippa Cox Coaching Pregnancy Coach. Mm. We're going to put all of our contact information at the back of this interview, Brains. We want you to have a happy, healthy, productive life and pregnancy. We want to give you the tools. We want to be able to give you information so that you can ask your physician or midwife or birthing coach, intuitive, uh, intelligent questions. Go deep. Know who you are before you try to worry so much about the next person's life that you bring into the world. Make sure that you have clarity on your own. 
Thank you so much. Please go right here. You see where this is, brains? It's right in your face. I need you to love, like, share, and subscribe. Love, like, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and we will follow up. Uh, thank you so much, Pippa, for being here on the edge with us. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you very much, Brains. It was a lovely interview. I really enjoyed it. All right. Have a good day. Bye, Brains.